Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. Welcome to everyone. I see some new faces. I see some old faces, meaning from a while back. Not that you're old. Um, uh, It's good to see everyone. Uh, Excited about this series we're starting today. It's called Whisper or Whispers. Uh, uh, Mark Batterson, a pastor in National Community Church in D.C., wrote a book called Whisper. Uh, I got a pre-copy. I got a copy for the rest of people. You can get a copy. And I started reading this book, and this kind of put me on this journey that we're all going to go on in the next uh, four or five weeks. Um, it's called Whisper. And today's topic is the bravest prayer. Uh, some years ago, about 50 years ago, a, a famous opera singer was losing his voice. He, certain notes he couldn't hit. He went to doctor after doctor, and they couldn't figure it out. They thought there was something wrong with his voice box or whatever. So finally he went to a doctor named Tomatis, and uh, he said, no, 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 I don't think that's what it is. And so he put a sonogram, a sonometer, sonometer, not a sonogram, about a meter in front of his face and let him sing. And his voice as an opera singer registered at 140 decibels. That's higher than a jet plane taking off on an aircraft carrier. So what he discovered was that the opera singer was going deaf listening to his own voice. As strange as that may seem. And so uh, he came to this conclusion. He, he, in um, medical science, this effect is called an effect. is named after this doctor, Dr. Tomatis. And the effect is this. The voice can only reproduce what the ear can hear. So what happened was some of these notes he, the, uh, he couldn't hear anymore, so then he couldn't sing them anymore. So they thought the problem was his voice, but the problem really wasn't his voice, it was his hearing. Now we all have problems. We have relationship problems, emotional problems, spiritual problems. We all have problems. And we think they're the cause, but maybe they're not the cause. Maybe they're just symptoms. And the real cause is we're not able to hear. In this case, of course, we're not able to hear the voice of God. And we have lots of voices we hear. We hear, self, we call it self-talk, where we tell ourselves we can't do it, I'm no good, you know, I'm a loser, whatever. Other people criticize us, you know, <laughs> you can't want amount to anything, you're a loser, whatever. Then society tells us, <clears throat> especially if you're seeking to be a Jesus follower, well, that's kind of silly, that's a waste of your time. Why are you doing that? So we have all these voices. So what's the solution? Well, a solution just might be learning to hear the voice of God. Now, the first time the universe heard any voice is recorded in our Bible. Well, not recorded, but uh, uh, told about in the Bible. So we're going to start way back in the Bible. Whether you thought this happened 6,000 years ago or 6 million years ago, the first recorded voice was God's voice. And this is what it says. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Many of us would believe, you don't, that's okay, but many of us believe that that was the beginning of the universe. God created it. The interesting thing is the universe is still expanding. So since God said that, it's still happening. Uh, He spoke the universe into being. It's kind of like God saying, well, you know, I created the universe. I think I can handle whatever problem you may have. What, What do you worry about? And Jesus would speak. He would say to a, 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 a deaf person, you know, you can, you can hear. And to a lame person that you can get up and walk. And to a storm, be calmed. And he, and he spoke to 
Lazarus, a dead man, and said, come forth, and he came out of the grave. So why, at times, do we turn the voice of God off? You ever everybody say something to you and go like this, la, 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 because you didn't want to hear? Well, we do that with God sometimes. We probably don't do it that way. But, uh, and the biggest reason, I think, is because we're afraid of what he's going to tell us. We're afraid he's going to tell us to do something we don't want to do or tell us we can't do something we want to do. The problem is with that attitude is we really don't know God's nature. What is God's nature? God's nature is to be all-powerful, all-knowing, but also all-loving. And so if he is, can't do anything but love, anything he would say would be what? It would be an act of love, wouldn't it? And I don't know about you. I have a wife that I love and she loves me. So I want to hear what she has to say. And hopefully she wants to hear what I have to say. In fact, uh, she had the privilege, as many of you know, to passing out these boxes in Dominican Republic in March. One of the highlights of her life. And she, she'd love to talk to you about it if you want to hear. <clears throat> but what, you know what my, she was gone for a week, Saturday to Saturday. You know what my highlight was each day? When I'd pull my phone out and it would say Deb Youngbar on there because she was calling me. Because I love her and I want to hear her voice. Back when you start dating, remember how long you would talk? You'd just talk and talk and talk. <laughs> and you had trouble hanging up the phone. So I put on your outline, God is speaking, are we listening? I actually saw a bumper sticker this week. You know, it's kind of weird how that works. It says, God is still speaking. And it was in some of the, in the songs that were sung. <clears throat> so I think you and I should want to hear what he has to say. Now often we talk about speech, we think of phonics. But sound is actually an audible, uh, a, a physics thing. And so it has powerful. You can break down a wall with sound. So it's more than just phonics. So I asked some people in preparation for this, how many of you actually heard audibly God's voice? And I asked about 10 people, and I had actually four out of those 10 tell me they had. And so I don't know if I asked you all. There might be 40% of you all. I personally haven't. But here's the way I look at that. God knows your quote-unquote love language. There's a book, Five Love Languages. Well, God knows your love language. And he knows how he has to speak love into you. And so it needs to be audibly. He speaks audibly. And for some of us, it doesn't need to. I've heard the voice of God, you know, thousands of times. It's just never been audible. Now, a little confession here at the beginning of this series. And hopefully it doesn't upset you, but prayer confuses me. I know I'm a pastor, and maybe I should know all this, but prayer confuses me. On one hand, I'm supposed to ask God, you know, all the stuff I want. But on another hand, he already knows what I need, at least. So am I just kind of asking for icing on the cake? Uh, what's, what's the purpose there? Uh, if he's all wise and knowing and all-powerful and all-loving, isn't he going to do all the best things for us anyway? So why should I ask? Um, Another place it says to, you know, ask and believing you'll have it. I can't quite understand that uh, because I asked for things and I haven't got it. I thought I believed it. 
And consequently, should I just ask once? If I believe it, shouldn't I ask just once? Then another story Jesus tells about this lady that bugged this judge so much that finally he gave in and gave her what she wanted. And it seems to be teaching that's what we should do in prayer. Um, I'm his child. I want my child, children to speak to me. So I assume God wants me to speak to him. Jesus, disciples asked Jesus, how, how do we pray? And he, you know, he taught them the Lord's Prayer as a way to pray. Um, he promised to supply our needs, but in that prayer it said, God, give me my daily bread. So to me, it's, it's a little confusing. Uh, so I want to confess that up front. So I did some research. Well, how many people actually pray? Well, <clears throat> people do these surveys. Uh, 55% of Americans pray every day. At least they said they did. If you go up to pray once a week, the, the, the figure is like 77% of the people. So there's about 23% of the people or so that many ever, never pray. But that's a pretty big amount, right? 77% pray. Now, what do they mean by prayer? So I asked some people, how do you define prayer? And one of the answers talking to God, another was talking with God. I asked Pastor Clint, he said a conversation with God, which is kind of the, the definition I kind of like. <clears throat> so I don't know if 77% of Americans have a conversation with God. I would think it's less than that because I think for some of us, prayer is what? Talking to God. But a conversation is what? Also, letting God talk to us. So we're going to look at two stories, hopefully pretty quickly, out of the Old Testament, kind of get us started on this, on this uh, uh, pilgrimage through uh, uh, whispering. Um, and at first, about a guy named Elijah. He had this great victory for God in a very kind of heathen time in the life of the Israelites. <clears throat> and then he prays for rain. It starts raining. It hadn't rained for years. And then... Uh, wicked king Ahab and Jezebel, king and queen. Jezebel threatens to kill him. Said, within 24 hours, I'm going to kill you. I don't know how he heard that. But he got that message, and he did what you and I would do. He ran away. But the odd thing is, once he runs, runs away and stops, he prays a prayer and says, God, I want to die. I'm thinking, just she could have stayed in Jerusalem. Jezebel would have taken care of, I mean, for you. So, uh, he prays that prayer. I don't think he literally wanted to die. He could have killed himself. He didn't kill himself. But emotionally, he was drained. Uh, and so God doesn't slap him around, says, straighten up. He doesn't preach him a sermon like probably I would do. My wife accuses me of that sometimes. Um, if you read the story, it's in 1 Kings chapter 19. First, he says, take an angel says to him, take a nap. When he gets up, he says, have some food and some drink. He says, take another nap. Some more food and drink. Not a bad solution, right? And then Elijah heads off on a 40-day journey to Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai is where Moses got the Ten Commandments and so forth. So if you wanted to hear from God in that time, in that culture, the place you went was Mount Sinai. If you couldn't hear from God there, you couldn't hear from God anywhere. So that's where he went. 40 days later, he gets there. And that's where we're going to... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, pick up the story. It's in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9. There he came to a cave where he spent the night, and the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, not why are you literally in this place, but why are you in this place mentally? Why are you in this place spiritually? Why are you in this place emotionally? And God could say that to, to all of us, correct? So that's what he says to him. And Elijah 
kind of whines and complains in his response. He says this, Well, I've zealously served you, the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel, they've broken the covenant with you, torn down the altars, killed every one of the prophets, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too, which isn't true because the Israelites weren't trying to kill him. Who was trying to kill him? One person. (laughs) She was the queen, but it was Jezebel. So God responds to his complaint and says this, Go out and stand before me in the mountain. And as, and as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. Now, was God sometimes in the wind? Yeah, sometimes God was in the wind, but he wasn't in the wind this time. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Has God been in earthquakes sometimes? Yeah, God's used earthquakes Sometimes, but not this time. You know, those of you who had children, do you sometimes tell your kids, hey, that's outside voice. We need inside voices. So we do with our kids. You know, you can yell outside, you can't yell inside. Well, God's kind of using his outside voice here, not to speak, but I think to get Elijah's attention at least. After the earthquake, there was a fire. The Lord was not in the fire. Has God been in the fire before? And spoke to Moses from burning bush, etc. Then after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. And then, as it's recorded in the Bible for us, it says this. Elijah heard it. Heard what? The gentle whisper. Wrapped his face in a cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he tells, Elijah complains again. And he says, okay. Time to get back to work. Go anoint this guy king. Go pick your successor, etc. But let's get back to that term, a gentle whisper. Experts, not me, I don't know Hebrew, tell us that word is impossible to translate. And a gentle whisper is the best they can get. But literally, this is what it means, that word. A sound of sheer silence. Seems like an oxymoron, a contradiction, a, a paradox, doesn't it? A sound of silence? Kind of a song from the 60s, right? We define a whisper kind of this way, as speaking with one's breath instead of uh, your voice box, your vocal cords. That's what a whisper is. Now, so my question is, why a whisper? Why does a whisper seem to give God's preferred method speaking, speaking to us, speaking to his children. Now, we whisper often to keep things private or secret, right? My wife says I can't whisper, and she gets embarrassed sometimes (laughs) when we're out in public. But uh, that's what we do. But those of you who are parents, you probably, quote, unquote, played this game. You probably whisper to your kids, and they can't hear what you're saying. So what do they do? They get closer. And maybe you're sitting on the couch or a chair or something and you're whispering. And I keep coming closer because I can't hear what you're saying. Eventually get up next to you on the couch and you're still whispering until they get close enough for you to what? Grab them. Hug them. Give them a kiss. Whatever. So what is your goal of whispering in that case? Get your kids, get your loved ones closer. 
So I don't know if I'm right or not, or Mark Batterson's right, but I believe it's true. God's goal, well, I know this is true, God's goal is intimacy with us, and whisper is a way to bring that about. And aren't you got, glad that God is a, a gentle God? He doesn't yell at us? You find that attractive when somebody yells at you? Of course not. So, <clears throat> brings me to a dangerous question. And it's this. God, what do you want me to do with my life? Prayer could be also a prayer. Um, I encourage you to do this. I told you about when I was 17 I did this. and Usually when you pray this prayer, it's confusing. Me, a pastor God? Uh, that's what's confusing. Uh, when I was 24, I started attending a church, and a small church, and there was this young lady there, and she was a senior in high school at the time. I'm 24. And uh, she had a steady boyfriend, same guy, his junior year and senior year. And this is the middle of her senior year. About April comes along, and I'm thinking, God's, I'm praying this prayer, asking this question. God's saying, I want you to marry this guy, gal. And I said, wait, wait, that's confusing. She's got a boyfriend for a year and a half. What does that mean? Well, long story short, <laughs> that was my wife, and we've been married for almost 42 years now. Confusing, but it's what God wanted, and obviously what I wanted. A few years later, we're pastoring Greenbrier Baptist Church, and God starts telling us, I want you to be mission, international missionaries. When I told God at 17 I would be a pastor, I said, I'll be a pastor if I can stay in Maryland. See how that worked out? Try telling God what you, wanted, what you want. So, long story short, as most of you know, we became, by, in 1984, we became missionaries to Portugal. 1989, 90, I guess 1990, <clears throat> probably the most confusing answer to this question we ever got from God was, I don't, I don't want you to go back to Portugal. To this day, we still don't understand that one. Of course, in the last 27 years, I've been here uh, at this church. Um, so that was the answer uh, to that. Now I'm, I'm asking that about retirement. You know, what's, when and when, what's that look like, and so forth. But again, as I said last week, whenever I ask this question, pray this prayer, I never regretted the answer. So I don't think there's too much of a jump, a leap, this next statement. Your life, my life, is too loud and too busy. Talk to people about retirement because I'm thinking about it. And the, almost the most common answer I get back is I'm busier than ever. And I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. I thought your life is supposed to get slower in retirement. Uh, there's a thing called white noise. And I was, I was researching this a little bit. White noise is mostly uh, a combination uh, of your uh, audible range. All, all, all of them put together. And... And the reason it works is because since you're hearing all the range, you can't hear any specific part of the range. And my wife and I have been starting to listen to white noise when we go to sleep at night. Because our house is kind of noisy. We're in the trees and stuff falls off the trees and wakes us up and so forth. So it's really been working great. I'm really sleeping well because the white noise, I can't hear the specific noise. So what's the solution? Well, to slow down, the Bible calls it this way, 
Uh, be still and know that I am God. Meaning if you're not still, it's kind of hard to know God. <clears throat> now, we talked about it being a dialogue. That means you talk sometimes and you listen sometimes. And the way I've heard it described is you've got two ears and one mouth, right? So what should you do more of? Listening, then talking. And that's a good, good rule of thumb if you meet a new person, you meet somebody for the first time, what do you, what's the best thing to do? Listen so you get to know them, right? And if you think about it, if you're, I don't know who you consider an important person, say if you're in the presence of the president, are you going to talk more or listen more? Or maybe some famous preacher you respect. Are you going to talk more or listen more? So when you're a president, or just say a, a smarter person, a wiser person, a more important person, the smart thing to do is what? Listen more than you talk. So how much more important is that then in our relationship with the God of the universe? Should we not listen more than we talk? I think it's kind of rare in most people's prayer life to listen more than they talk. I don't think we know how to do it. It's a language we need to learn. Now, by listening, put on your outline, silence is not passive. You're just not supposed to empty your mind. Uh, you're supposed to empty your mind to listen. So you're listening. So another story I want to get through real quickly, a lady by the name of Hannah, didn't have any kids, and she really wanted to have kids, and she made this promise to God. You ever promise God something? Well, she actually felt, followed through. She had this child, and she said, I'll give you this child. His name was <clears throat> Samuel. So when he was three or four years old, she left him at the temple with, with Eli, the high priest. So one night, he's laying down, this boy, and he hears, Samuel, Samuel. And so he runs to Eli and says, what do you want? Samuel said, I, uh, Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Again, Samuel, Samuel. He runs to Eli, what do you want? And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. <clears throat> now, we're going to pick up the story in 1 Samuel 3, 7. So he went back to the bed for the second time, and then the writer here describes it this way. He did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So he hadn't learned to hear God's voice or learn what God's voice or who God's voice is. So the Lord called out a third time. Samuel did the same thing. He runs to Eli and says, uh, here I am. Did you call me? And Eli realized he was the high priest. He had some issues, but he was, you know, God's man at the, that time. Realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he gave him some instructions. He says, next verse. He said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone, <laughs> quote unquote, calls you again, say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. What happens? The Lord called, came and called as before. That's the fourth time. Samuel, Samuel. And what did Samuel do? Speak. Lord, your servant is listening. And so he gets some, God tells him some stuff, some kind of bad stuff that was going to happen. And then we'll skip down to verse 19. It says this, as Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable because what did he say? He said what? What God had said to him. <clears throat> now, I love teaching the Bible, and I'm glad you guys come to hear me teach you may read books like I do or listen to other preachers, but here's something really important. It's not on your outline, it's just on the screen. Relying on someone else for spiritual growth is codependency. 
And probably most of us know how destructive that is or unhealthy that is in relationships. When our relationship with God, you and I need to develop that relationship on our own. That's the wonderful thing about Christianity. But a couple, uh, uh, at least one here, kind of caveat or warning. If you're not willing to listen to everything God is saying, eventually you won't hear anything he has to say. So we want to hear his comforting voice, but we also have to hear his convicting voice. And maybe the thing we least want to hear is the thing we most need to hear. And if you're Jesus follower, it's important that we share the message, share the light, share the truth with them. So I put on your outline, if you want people to listen to you, listen to God. Because not to insult anybody, but what you and I have to say is not that important. But what God has to say is critically important. So here's your take home. This is your homework assignment, if you will. I want to challenge you to pray the bravest prayer. And there it is from Samuel. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And truly listen. Now we often say God is everywhere, but there is some place that God is not. And the place that God is not is where he's not been invited. And that would be in your life and my life before we invited him in. There's a famous painting called The Light of the World. It's painted in 1853 and there's a picture of it. And uh, you're probably more familiar with a more recent picture painting. But what's significant about this painting is there's no, no doorknob on the outside. All Jesus can do is knock. And unless someone invites him in, unless somebody opens the door, he remains on the outside. So first you have to hear the knock, and then you have to invite him in. So if you're here this morning and Jesus isn't resident in your life, that's a place God is not. As we pray, I'd encourage you to pray that prayer. I hear you knocking. God, I'm inviting you in. Let's pray. Uh, Thank you, God, that you speak to us. You're the creator of the universe, and you take time to speak to us individually, our own love language, a language that that, that assures from your perspective you communicate with us. And God, I personally, maybe for all of us, I'll confess that sometimes we don't want to hear what you have to say. Uh, and in our busyness and our loudness, we can't hear what you have to say. So help us <laughs> to correct that situation, to improve it, to begin to better listen. Because God, we want to hear from you, the one that loves us so much. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.